2: Brian, kill me. Get
3: ready, everybody. Wednesday edition of the Big Show coming your way. Maria Bartiroma, yes, the same one who does mornings with Maria, will be here. Fox News, and of course, the bottom of the hour. Uh, Mark Penn put together a great column. He had a, a quick analysis of who these uh, 170 million people voted for and why. And he turns out most of America is not extreme. They are moderate. And that's what his takeaway was from this election. And more moderates went with. Uh, Joe Biden right now, he's got 78 million votes, the president 73 million, both extraordinary numbers, the first and second most votes in the history of elections. So the president outstripped his 2016 performance by 8 million votes. But why and who? We'll have a quick look, quick look at that. And then we'll take your phone calls. one 866 We got some huge news. Uh, Pfizer said, hey, you know, that vaccine I told you about last week, it's not 90 percent effective. It's 95%. And we might be able to send it out this month. Buckle up. Let's go.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
4: Number three.
5: Are you an expert in voter fraud? No, I'm not. Well, why then is Twitter right now putting purported warnings on virtually any statement about voter fraud?
4: We're simply linking to a broader conversation.
5: That's taking a disputed policy position. And you're a publisher when you're doing that.
4: Fiery,
3: to say the least. Big tech, big trouble. The brawl on Capitol Hill and how all sides agree regulation of Facebook, Twitter, Google, social media has to weigh in here. And it's got to stop because they are cooperating with each other for causes and against President Trump. Among the monster groups that keep down Trump's stories and messaging, uh, all three of them are guilty of it.
0: Number two. With Thanksgiving around the corner, follow recommendations from medical experts. Getting together with your family
6: via Zoom to ensure your loved ones stay safe is the right thing to do. Wear a mask, take it off when you eat or drink, then put it back on. Keep six feet apart as much as you can. And try
5: not to share utensils.
3: And don't breathe. Virus surges, vaccine fast-tracked, and state after state begins cracking down on our freedoms to the point where they even want to regulate us in our own houses. I'm not kidding. This has got to stop.
7: Number one. This is a slightly different situation from Floyd. These were scanned votes that are on a memory card, whereas Floyd were a, a box of unscanned votes. The reason you have the audit is because human beings are going to make mistakes, and you find those mistakes and you correct those mistakes as you go.
3: Gabriel Sterling. He's head of elections in Georgia. More problems. Fight till it's right. President Trump gains more votes in the Georgia recount while rapidly running out of legal options, it seems, in Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Michigan. But it has not stopped Trump from making big moves, firing drawdowns, and possible missile strikes. But it's time for maybe Trump to start transitioning. What do you think? I don't even think if he ends up winning, no one's ever going to fault him for saying, hey, I, I released $10 million so they could set up offices. Hey, I'm, I just wanted to make sure they're all read in on intelligence. After all, Kamala Harris on the Intelligence Committee, and he used to be vice president, so Joe Biden would get it anyway. And then you just let people set up, and no one will fault you because let, you know what they're going to do. If, the, if it is not President Trump in 2021, everything will be blamed on him. And now they'll say, well, if he only didn't transition right away, if he only transitioned right away, none of this would have happened. If I'm the president, I just don't give don't give people a free shot, especially if you're not in office anymore. Here's Gabriel Sterling on this revelation. Yesterday in another county, Fayette County election, uh, they found out they didn't upload votes stored on a memory card. Oh, it happens. So they had 1,557 votes for Trump, 1,128 for Biden. So he gained another 400 Uh, Votes so it puts them under thirteen thousand. The difference between so three hundred thousand ballots left to hand count in Georgia out of the five million uh, that they are recounting in Georgia. The question is, will the president spend eight million to do a recount where he lost by twenty thousand reportedly in Wisconsin? We will see. Here's Kaylee McEnany. Cut four.
8: I'm coming to air with you tonight, Sean. There's reporting that in a third county in Georgia, in Walton County, they have found the same issue, a memory card that was not registered with votes. And guess what? These votes... Favor, President Donald J. Trump. We were told yesterday when the first batch was discovered by the Georgia Secretary of State, this is very concerning because there are checks and balances in place. The local officials should resign. Well, these checks and balances appear to be fatally flawed, systematically irregular, to have happened now, not in one Two, but three Georgia counties, amounting to the disenfranchisement of nearly five thousand voters. What is going on here? Every American should be concerned.
3: I think so. And here is Luke Martin to show you that Kaylee Maganati isn't doing anything any hyperbole there. She's chair. Uh, Luke is chairman of the Floyd County, Georgia GOP. Cut two.
7: What we had in Georgia was the uh, risk-limiting audit, which where we had people come and count the actual paper ballots to compare it to uh, what the machine totals were on election night or shortly after, when each county certified uh, our own results. Um, We were surprised here in Floyd County to find out that there were uh, 2,700 extra ballots, roughly. Um, So we spent today basically recounting them. And from the secretary of state's office, what you know they're saying in their press conferences is, is that uh, they will count. So uh, hopefully that's right. I think there's the county attorneys here are working on that.
3: So the president's going to overturn things. He's going to look to Pennsylvania. He's going to look to Nevada. He's going to look to Georgia. So Victor, J- Victor Jocks is a, a Las Vegas jur- Review Journal columnist. And he was on with Martha last night. And, he's, and they're trying to make sense of the fact that their governor, out of nowhere this summer, came out and said, everybody's getting a ballot. You get a ballot. You get a ballot. And we don't even know if people live there and how many false ballots there are. Because the president's people targeted New Mexico originally, New Hampshire, and Nevada as states they could flip, cut six.
5: The problem is, is we just simply don't know how many problems there are. Uh, The Clark County Registrar, which is the county that Las Vegas is in, uh, said they don't have anyone looking at voter fraud issues. And so we simply don't know how widespread uh, the problem is. Now, that's certainly not proof of widespread fraud. But what my experiment showed, what some of the research the Trump campaign is coming up with, shows that widespread fraud was certainly possible— And the lack of interest by by elected officials, by election officials, is simply concerning uh, and frankly irresponsible. So it starts with digging into the data that's already there, not just assuming that the election was conducted honestly and with integrity, but going and trying and trying to find out if anyone cheated and not expecting them to come in and admit it after the fact.
3: All right. And I'll talk more about this with Maria, and we'll talk about Michigan and what the vote was last night, a little bit of controversy there, and what do you think the administration will do in Pennsylvania They might just be out of options. Meanwhile, on the coronavirus, some great news about Pfizer. They're ready to go. They want permission this week. They could be shipping out by the last week in November, which is next week, I think, or the week after And that's great because the massive crackdowns, clampdowns and, dare I say, lockdowns are getting out of control. When I tell you that these people are being oppressive, how about in your house telling you about to wear a mask in your house, telling you you can't have more than 10 people in your house? The CDC saying, I don't want you drinking because it impairs your judgment in your house. What are they talking about? We already get get the rule. You wash your hands, you wear a mask, you keep distance. You've told us nothing new in a year. For the most part, everybody's doing it. For those susceptible pre-existing conditions, it's up to them to do it. in Ohio, the curfews for 21 days to limit activity and contacts in California, retail twenty five percent capacity, church, outdoors only gyms, outdoors only uh, restaurants, outdoors only, bars closed, schools closed. Wow, great idea when in doubt. Close everything up instead of working with people to open it up. We know there's a risk. Let people take the risk. If they don't want to, they don't have to. No one says you have to leave your house. That would be bad, too. Pennsylvania is planning to take additional steps to address the increase in hospitalizations. They want to require masks to be worn indoors and limit exceptions, uh, officials say. They want to strengthen the mask order. They want um, uh, indoors, too, as I mentioned. And they also want to apply indoor facilities. If you have people in your home, uh, not part of your household, they are going to be asked to leave. Fantastic. Uh, We'll see how all this stuff flies with the American people. Because we know that Senator Senator Dianne Feinstein walking around Capitol Building without a mask on. What is she crazy? She's 91 years old in um, unsanitized areas. We also know that Chuck Grassley has it. He tested positive. He is 87. You got to look out for that. Uh, Rand Paul pledges to fight Biden on the lockdown and forcing us to wear masks. He feels he has the antibodies because he had the virus already. Maria Bartiroma is next. Then Mark Penn, the managing director of the Stagwell Group, will tell us who voted for whom and what party, uh, what, part, what each party should pay attention to uh, to win that Senate election, those two Senate elections in Georgia. Brian Kilmeade Joe.
2: It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now, Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams.
2: breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
9: And all I can say is on election night, votes came out of nowhere for Biden. Thousands showed up late in the night on election night for Biden. Weeks later, we're finding votes for Trump. All I can say is I've said on your show that voting by mail will be the end of the Republican Party if we don't have a system to verify signatures. All I'm asking for is that... Georgia have a bipartisan group to verify a signature on a mail ballot, not leave it up to a single individual. Here's what I predict. If you had an audit of all these signatures on envelopes in Georgia and you had people who know what they were doing, I bet you the rejection rate would be more than 0.3%. If we don't get a better system when it comes to voting voting by mail, that's the end of the Republican Party.
3: Well, Senator Lindsey Graham called up to all these battlegrounds and said, I just want to know what your system is for comparing signatures. This clown, this attorney general said Lindsey Graham was telling them to throw out good ballots. He said, I called Nevada, I called Pennsylvania too, to find out their system and question them on it if I thought it was weak. And he thinks Georgia's is kind of weak. I think Georgia's Republican leadership is kind of weak. Where the heck is Brian Kemp? He doesn't have to agree with President Trump, but can you at least come out front? This is your whole thing. you know. After you won that controversial election over Stacey Abrams, only controversial because she she wouldn't admit she lost. I couldn't. We couldn't get him on this show. So if you don't want the job, don't take the job. I mean, who asked you a favor to become governor of uh, of Georgia? Plus, it wasn't with President Trump getting you the job. You wouldn't have had it. Pretty incredible. 1-866-408-7669. Um, uh, uh, here is uh, Maria Bartiroma, joins us now. She is also author of The Cost, Trump, China, and an American Revival. Hey, Maria, welcome.
8: Hey, how are you, Brian?
3: Hey, Maria, a lot of people writing and they're seeing with the problems in Georgia, but it's not amounting to enough to knock out fourteen, a 13,000-vote deficit. What do you think President Trump's best hope is, or do you think that this ship has sailed?
8: Well, it's a good question. It's hard to know how much fraud there is, Brian. I mean, we keep finding episodes of all of this irregular, irregularities, and so— you know, I, I think the only thing we can do is keep investigating and let this play out. But I don't think, you know, because there's just too many irregularities to just, you know, say, oh, this is just the usual stuff that normally happens. It's just, It just doesn't seem like the usual stuff. So I, I think we have to keep, in, you know, watching this, investigating this. But I will say this. Now that we see what's going on in Georgia, I don't think we should be surprised to expect that you're going to have irregularities around the Senate race. And that's really, this is very disturbing. This is all incredibly disturbing.
3: Also, if you you think about Stacey Abrams, that she's got 600,000 applications for absentee ballots. Really? Already? For a runoff that was just declared a week ago?
8: Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, I just had Congressman Andy Biggs on, on Mornings with Maria on Fox Business. And I said to him, how much responsibility do you guys take in all of this? I mean, before the presidential election, I must have said it umpteen times to the president.
3: Kind of, Maria kind of dropped off there. But, you know, how long is this going to go on in Georgia? The Georgia's attorney general, terrible. Uh, Secretary of State, terrible. Uh, head of elections, I appreciate him coming out and being candid and open communication. But the governor's invisible and just is too much at stake. So you can't say, "Well, I uh, too bad about Georgia." No, you got two Senate races that are so winnable. Uh, Purdue is so much better than Ossoff, and the other thing is this guy Warnock is such a flawed candidate. But Kelly Sta- uh, Kelly Stouffer has uh, she is somebody that has very little experience. So Maria, in Georgia, it's the worst place to have election problems. Are you surprised uh, how this Secretary of State seems to be turning on his party, and the governor is invisible there?
8: Well, I mean, part of it is it's the activists and the mobs. I mean, look what happened in Michigan when they first they had two Republicans and two Democrats who said, look, we're not going to certify the election results. We need to investigate further. And then they were doxxed online. They were, you know, they were uh, criticized, attacked. And, of course, then they said, OK, forget it. We'll certify the, re- the election. I mean, if you don't get what you want, they will come and, 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 and smash your windows and destroy your business and force you to board up your store. I mean, that's this is where we are. Something has got to be done. And the only thing I could say is where is the DOJ? Where is the FBI? I mean, it's outrageous that— here we are looking at all of these ballots that were found in the garbage, found wherever in Georgia, and you've got two major Senate races happening in Georgia. Stacey Abram's saying she's got 600,000 absentee ballots already. You know, I mean, this, these two races will dictate our fate. 100 percent think about some of the things that the senate will be able to approve or stop it's not just the green new deal and the higher taxes it's it's more than that the defund the police and the open borders it's also joe biden's cabinet do you want hillary clinton as your defense secretary she's being talked about do you want uh, susan rice as your secretary of state she's being talked about do you want sally yates as the attorney general all of these things will have to be approved by the Senate. If you have a Democrat-controlled Senate, all of those things go through. Joe Biden's cabinet with a breeze, no problem, as well as $4.3 trillion in tax increases, the Green New Deal, Medicare for All, open borders, defund the police. The, the country will be a different country. So the stakes could not be higher for these Senate runoff races. And if the Republicans are not doing anything about it, then shame on them. I just had Andy Biggs on the show and I said to him, look, here we are three and a half years later. Now we know for sure the the coup to take down Donald Trump was a, an idea that Hillary Clinton and her foreign policy advisor had to tie Trump to Russia. What have you done about it? We have one guilty play from one FBI agent. You had four years. Why didn't you subpoena more people? Where are we? Why didn't you do more about the election fraud that you knew was coming? I said it to President Trump umpteen times. They cheated in 16. They're going to cheat in 2020. What are you doing about it? Are you ready? I mean, I don't know what to say. Buy it. I mean, yeah. Well,
4: here's the, here's the
3: problem. You don't complain about Dominion now. You complain about it before. You don't say there were no observers and there was a problem. You complain about it while it's happening if you're clued in. And he was left naked in Arizona and Georgia, it seems. He didn't get good advice. He thought they were pretty much in his column. They weren't. So he got a lot of votes. He did a lot right. But he did basically he was a one-man machine. That's
1: right.
5: His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you're subscribed to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share.
8: One man machine, that's right. And the Republicans did not stay by him. And even now, there are a lot of Republicans who I don't hear a peep out of about election interference and about fraud. Every American should want to make sure that our votes matter. We should all say, okay... Let's just get to the bottom of this before we certify. Let's make sure we don't have any hanky panky going on in any more races. That's not happening. You have a handful of people who are saying, yeah, we want every legal vote counted. But you don't have, you don't have, I mean, lawyers right now are (laughs) bullying other lawyers to not work with Trump. Tucker did it last night on his show. There are law firms right now who are outing other law firms, saying, do not work with the Trump administration. So you've got leading law firms dropping out of working with the Trump campaign right now on election interference and election fraud. So, yeah, you're right. It's a one-man show because he went to Washington to drain the swamp. He started calling everybody out. And as a result, his presence threatened their grip on power. And they need him out. They need him out of the way to continue what they're doing, and what they were doing. Some might call it Corruption 101, by the way.
3: Yeah, by the way, Maria, pick up Maria's book. It's called The Cost. Thanks so much, Maria.
10: New from the Fox News Podcasts Network.
1: My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world.
10: You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com
2: the fastest three hours in radio you're with brian kilmeade
0: i can't believe it um my business or one of my companies actually had a very hard time we had a furlough a bunch of our staff Uh, we brought them back we're now going strong uh my companies are currently thriving and now we're talking about this second shutdown you know honestly i'm in the business of helping other businesses and i'm very concerned uh you know many of comp- many of these businesses that i work with barely survived that first shutdown and now right before the holidays a second shutdown many won't make it many people will go bankrupt
3: and that's the fact. Audit, that was Austin Belhart. He's a C, uh, California CEO and business owner. Uh, he's just flabbergasted that he's being locked down again with no hope of opening up, even though he knows how to open up safely. But that's exactly what all these politicians are doing. And by the way, I saw these California lawmakers are going to Hawaii for a conference, meeting once a day and then hanging out on the beach. You have the governor there walking around at a party without a mask on indoors, when he's telling everyone else we can't. And then you have the mayor of, uh, mayor of Illinois excuse me, mayor of Chicago, having a great time at a Biden party. How, as she says, well, it was an important time in American history. That's right. Nothing's important enough for us, but it's important enough for them. Inexcusable. Let's bring in Mark Penn, managing director of the Stagwell Group and chairman of the Harris Bowl. Uh, Mark, welcome back. Thank you. So I just was uh, struck, and I thought your column was one of the uh, really insightful about why Biden won and who won what and what you found out about the American electorate. We are still shockingly moderate.
11: Yes, absolutely. I, I think we're we're a little bit more moderate and conservative than I think most of the pollsters really thought. And and there's no question when you look at it, actually, there's two points fewer liberals than there were four years ago, and and two or three points more conservatives. And largely, most of the people are are in the middle uh, anyway. So it is a very different country than one than the impression one takes from from the news media
3: yeah, you write uh, too during the exit polls only twenty four percent of the voters said they were liberal thirty eight said with thirty eight percent said they were conservative according to cnn 's exit poll and thirty eight percent said they were moderate uh, and that's and you, that to me is is stunning. And I guess Joe Biden must have felt that because he kept basing him uh, talking about how he was a moderate, even though most of the people making all the noise, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and AOC, anything but
0: moderate.
11: Well, and I think that's why you saw, you know, Congress tighten in, in many in many respects and. When, we re- when I really went through the exit polls and didn't start with a preconceived notion, you know, the real change here was a group of moderate men who voted for Trump the first time. And although the changes overall are frankly small, uh, really the people who swung it were not women, right? Many uh, women actually, particularly white women, voted more for Trump. Than, than last time, which I think was a surprise when you when you look through the the exit polls. But these moderate, better educated men, they were 30 points for Trump last time. They dropped to 23 wow. 20, 23 points. and that's really what cost him the election
3: you said overall though moderate 30 points uh you said biden expanded the democratic lead over moderates 30 points to 12 uh uh from 12 in 2016 so that's a huge difference how people viewed hillary clinton
11: yes that's right these are voters who found hillary clinton unacceptable but found biden found biden more acceptable and at the same time some of them didn't didn't find you know the emphasis in in congress with the squad acceptable, and that's where you wind up with a significantly reduced majority for the Democrats in Congress, a Senate that's held mm-hmm. and narrowly, because this this race really was decided on a coin toss in many ways, because you're you're still looking at 200,000 votes out of 160 million deciding deciding the race narrowly, giving it to to Biden.
3: Yeah, right. Uh, Mark Penn with us now, longtime uh, pollster. Mark, you said the suburban swing happened, but it really happened, began in 2018 towards Democrats, correct?
11: Yeah, I think that, that obviously as, as kind of Trump and Trumpism reconfigured the Republican Party, the party did much stronger with the working class, but at the same time weakened its hold on the suburbs. It's pretty hard to, to, to quote, have it all. But, but you certainly see a lot of changes. But So that really wasn't the big story of this election. And uh, on, on minority voters, uh, you know, uh, minority voters were a larger group, but mostly increases in Latinos and other, right? The black vote actually remained about the
3: same. Well, and up and, to 13. Uh, do you, is your number 13?
11: Yes, that's right. So if you look at, I think it's 12 black, 13 Hispanic, a growth of two points for the for the Latino vote, uh, and they continue. When I started polling presidentially, like in 92 and 96, that was 2%. So that's really where the tremendous growth in the electorate is. And any party that's going to win is going to have to do better with them. And the Republicans did better in Florida uh, with Latinos and in some areas of Texas.
3: So that's interesting. So overall, when you see Joe Biden, like, for example, no one looked at Bill Clinton and said— Well, how did he win? They saw him on the stump. They saw he was charismatic, his connection. When you see Barack Obama address an audience of 100,000 like there's three people there, you see the talent. Joe Biden, pandemic or not, didn't go out and wow people on the stump. So what did he do?
11: Well, he let it continue to be a referendum on Trump. And I think Trump in the last 10 days closed a lot of points. Uh, but fundamentally, Trump's weakness was in the way he organized the response to the virus. I know that I probably would have put a general in charge, probably would have made it a bipartisan effort. He took a lot of risk in the way, he, political risk in the way he handled the virus. And I think, again, that cost a lot of points that that uh, uh, that it's real and it's substantive.
3: Uh, that's, uh, so you would think so there's a belief out there that, If uh, there was no virus and things continued after the impeachment, and let's say things continue contentious in Congress, not much getting done, but moving forward, the president more likely coasts to four more years. Oh, yeah,
11: I completely agree with that. I think that if if without the virus—but remember, those are the tests of the presidency. I mean, certainly George Bush didn't expect 9-11. Many things happened to the Clinton administration we didn't expect. That's where presidents get tested. And he wound up with about a forty to forty-five percent approval rating on, uh, on on the crisis, and he needed really over fifty uh, uh, to do that. And and I do think the way he approached it was was too much putting a political figure in charge, making it too much about us and them. And and I think that that in the end, you know, when the when the virus surged. That that forced, I think, some voters, and particularly these moderate men, to reconsider to reconsider their choice. Remember, elections are a lot more about substance than people think they are, no matter what it looks like in the media.
3: So if I'm to assume that your number's right and the people are honest in the exit polls, and most Americans are moderate, do they want to see compromise?
11: Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> That that I think, you know, most of the problems if you left them to the American voter, they do a compromise on immigration, they do a compromise, they get infrastructure moving, stimulus wouldn't be two trillion and it wouldn't be six hundred and fifty million either. Uh, I think as I say, we are one nation now divided by two parties.
3: The that threat is if you show that you go across party lines like Marco Rubio goes on that blue ribbon panel on a way forward when it comes to immigration, he couldn't get the nomination because they kept hitting him over the head with that, saying you're weak on immigration. So if you do go across the line, you, you risk not getting – if it's for the presidency – you risk not get, getting primaried or not getting out of the primary. Do you, if you were to consult a candidate that was talented enough to win, how can you show a candidate compromise – but yet be truly conservative compromise yet be truly liberal how do you get that through to someone or is there a practical is there not a practical way forward
11: well that's the conundrum that 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 people in politics face and at a certain point you know president clinton used to say to me he said he would say good policy is good politics and so at the end of the day mostly what happened with the immigration group was they didn't succeed so what i would say look If you succeed and get these things in place, it will pay political dividends, because what are you in politics for? Are you in politics to get reelected, or are you getting reelected to do things? It's not the reverse, and I think that's, you know, you have to take the risk.
3: Mark, with these mail-in ballots, I know you don't do elections or election fraud, but when you talk about these ballots and the role they played, the fact is we had so many mail-in ballots, and the president wins on election day, but he doesn't win, it doesn't seem yet uh, he wins an election, how Do you look for these unsolicited ballots to continue when the pandemic is over?
11: Well, uh, I hope not in the sense that I like people to vote on Election Day after they've heard all the arguments up until the end. I'm not a big fan of early voting, and, and I'm a big fan of the of the secret of kind of making sure that you really have a, a secret ballot, because I think that is super important to Americans. But I, I think the the bottom line is— if we are going to have lots of mail-in votes and you're the Republican Party as opposed to the Democratic Party, you better get your people doing it to an equal extent. And I, and I think a huge tactical error was made here in the sense uh, – and to the, to, the, to the benefit of the Democrats was, hey, at the end of the day, if I say I'm going to vote, you know, taking a half day off of work, showing up at the polls, there's a certain fall-off from that. But you know, if I've got something hanging on my desk and I fill it out, the fall off is going to be less. It's why people order from Amazon, less friction. So the fact that Democrats really endorsed a a process with less friction and Trump pulled a lot of voters back from that. That was a tactical error. That could have cost him the election.
3: So the President of the United States has changed the Republican Party in this, in this way. They say they're more of a blue collar party, and that whole free trade thing is is in our rearview mirror. I don't think there's there's a George Bush Uh, Dick Cheney vision to free trade anymore in this country. And I think that Joe Biden kind of adapted that when he had his his version of America first or build it here. So if the president improved anywhere it was with. Well, uh, did he improve? I mean,
11: I think he really held his own. He did improve. With some Latinos, particularly, I think he was strong last time with Cubans. But I think generally in South Florida, I mean, you look also at the switch of those congressional seats. He did a little better with black men. But, you know, most blacks who vote are women, overwhelmingly. So in the end, it's still small numbers.
3: Uh, The Hispanic number, I thought, was at 30 percent. Is that that number you have?
11: Yes, it's 30 to 33 Yes.
3: George Bush got in the 40s. That's significantly yeah. better than Mitt Romney. And I think the 13% is better than Mitt's 8%. So, is that the future? If if you're looking at Republicans and you're saying what do you learn from this? Um it is you're a blue-collar fa- uh, blue-collar party. Wall Street you're not going to win over Wall Street. You are or the rich or the famous, you're going to win over blue-collar voters and you have to find a way to make inroads in the black and Hispanic community. Further inroads, correct?
11: Uh, yes, I mean I think that's obvious. That that you <clears throat> you obviously have to make. You know, it is it is a more diverse America. If you look at the number of white voters shrunk from seventy one to sixty seven, uh, the Latino vote still is the fastest growing vote in the country, and uh, any party that's going to succeed. Right is is going to succeed by, by by becoming more racially diverse, and I think the the Republicans this cycle had success with a lot of women running for Congress, and and that's something where you can say they've made they've made significant progress.
3: All right, most of America's moderate. Uh, that's what Mark Penn has discovered. Thanks so much, Mark. Always great to talk to you. Thank you. one Almost every line is filled. And keep in mind, the president walks away with the second most votes in American history, 8 million more than last election, and they're still counting.
2: Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the
10: Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's go to Dan listening on the app in Springfield, Missouri. Hey, Dan.
9: Hey, Brian. Thanks again for taking my call. Uh, one thing I want to say is that, you know, obviously it's not over, right? Uh, no one's uh, no one's turned any votes or or, or counted. Uh, it's, we're
6: still counting. But my question is, is now we're going to believe pollsters? I mean, I, I get it's an exit poll, but uh, your thoughts on that?
3: True, you got to have that people be honest. He looks at the exit polls. What I like about Mark, he's not working for anybody, you know, he's just out there doing surveys, setting up for companies. He used to be in politics, so he said, All right, let me just see what the pollsters have told us. So, what I like about him is I'm not describing to a Republican or Democrat, and he was, um, you know, he's on the outs with the Clintons uh, for the most part. And I also said he's got, even if he was supporting a candidate. This is the after-action report. It's almost like looking at the Super Bowl the next day. Uh, so you got a while until the next game. So you might as well find out why you lost or won. So that's what I thought. I thought it was kind of interesting that most Americans are moderate. Do you find that? Do you, would you find that hard to believe in real life, Dan?
6: No, I think I think he's I think he's right. I think we. I mean, I mean, my personal belief is I'm, I'm more I'm more I'm more right. But, uh, you know, when I was younger, I was a little bit more liberal. So, you know, I guess it's that uh, old saying that to Churchill uh, had to say. But I think moderation is is, is why, we, why we meld so well together as a country. I hope that no matter who wins, that we can do that again. Yeah.
3: I would hope so. You know, it's going to happen. No one's going to choose it. They're only going to have to. And that's why the Republicans need to win the Senate. If they don't, uh, Joe Biden's just going to steamroll everything. Dave, uh, you're in California listening online. Hey, Dave.
11: Hi, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. I, yeah. I'm just asking about that Senate race in Georgia. Yep. All these uncounted uh, uh, votes that they found, do they not go with the uh,
3: senators also? No, the thing is, you have to figure it's about 5,000 votes. Even if he got all of them, he needed, uh, Purdue needed 14,000. So it wouldn't have added up to that yet. But we'll see. They're not done till till midnight tonight. Uh, Gordon, WLKF in Lakeland. Hey, Gordon.
9: Hey, thanks for taking my call. You're my favorite talk show host, and I will reciprocate. You know, you read your emails, and you know I'm the guy that lost a 4-3 to decision in the Florida Supreme Court and almost saved Terry Schiavo's life, so you know I'm a conservative. Yep. And I don't support any free handouts, but you were totally wrong yesterday when you were talking about student debt, okay? The GOP lost to Pelosi twice in a row and that's chiefly because the students have paid back a dollar and 22 cents for every dollar borrowed and the department of ed has made money this is the only loan instrument that has 80 or 90% default rate And college used to be free or real close to it. So although you know I don't support a free handout, if if these GOP lawmakers say bankruptcy for me but not for these, and they're not willing to admit illegal price gouging, you're conservative. Since when has price gouging been okay? Price gouging as in
3: tuition or the loans? What now? Price gouging as in the tuition gets too high or the loans, the interest rates on the loans?
9: Well, the tuition directly affects the loans. Since we own the debt, we don't guarantee most of it. We own about 90% of it. If we forgave every single bit that all these liberals want, it would cost zero tax dollars. It would cost zero liability. and It would scare the daylight out of the Department of Ed. They would stop bleeding us to death.
3: Very interesting. Uh, is, I think student debt's a hot issue. I just want to do a responsible
10: from the Fox News Podcasts Network,
6: I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of the Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech
10: podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: Live from the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Welcome
3: back, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Cho coming from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, We have a lot going on. John Taffer, you know him, one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the country. You know him from Bar Rescue. Well, he's got Taffer's Taverns rolling out now. Is this a good or bad time to roll out a restaurant with this whole country shutting down, with the coronavirus cases going up in every state? He'll talk to us about that. And Douglas Murray will be here, a deep thinker, author of The Madness of Crowds, Gender, Race, and Identity. Uh, And he also has a column in the Daily Mail, fascinating, uh, a warning to Brits, uh, those cheering Joe Bidens win. He is no friend of Great Britain. Remember, Barack Obama said, if you go do Brexit, you'll get to the back of the queue. Well, they did. Trump took over and put him first. You booed him. You protested him. But he liked you guys. Let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
5: Are you an expert in voter fraud? No, I'm not. Well, why then is Twitter right now putting purported warnings on virtually any statement about voter fraud?
4: We're simply linking to a broader conversation.
5: That's taking a disputed policy position, and you're a publisher when you're doing that.
3: Which means more regulation, big tech, big trouble. The brawl on Capitol Hill and how all sides agree regulation is next. Facebook, Twitter, and Google all combined for one reason. To stop Donald Trump, were they successful? Well,
6: apologies won't do.
0: Number two. With Thanksgiving around the corner, follow recommendations from medical experts.
6: Getting together with your family via Zoom to ensure
0: your loved ones stay safe is the right thing to do. Wear a mask, take it off when you eat or drink, then put it back on. Keep six feet apart as much as you can.
5: And try not to share utensils.
3: Or breath. Virus surges, vaccine fast-track, state after state begins cracking down on our freedoms. They don't call it a lockdown, but it is a lockdown. They even want to know what's going on in your house.
6: Number one.
7: This is a slightly different situation from Floyd. These were scanned votes that are on a memory card, whereas Floyd were a a box of unscanned votes. The reason you have the audit is because human beings are going to make mistakes, and you find those mistakes and you correct those mistakes as you go.
3: Uh, yeah, problems and mistakes. Gabriel Sterling, fight till it's right. President Trump gains more votes in the, uh, in the Georgia recount while rapidly running on all legal, running out of legal options in Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Michigan. But it has not stopped Trump from making big moves, firings, drawdowns, and a possible missile strike on Iran. With me right now is, is Douglas Murray. Douglas, is this better or worse for America that Donald Trump appears to have not won this election?
12: Well, look, this is obviously the most divisive election I think of any of our lifetimes. And I'm, I've been in America throughout the whole thing. And what worries me now is that you've now had two elections in a row where the country is split and divided, not on who should have been president, but who is president. You know, in 2016, Uh, the Democrats, significant sway of the Democrats, just didn't accept that Donald Trump had won. They made up all sorts of claims. They said the Russians had hacked the election. Now, in 2020, when it seems to have gone their way, uh, they are saying there's no electoral fraud possible in America. It's all just absolutely fine and dandy. And anyone who says anything else is uh, some kind of anti-democratic stooge. This is a really, really dangerous place for America to be in because it's not just you disagree on politics, you disagree on what you've just seen. True.
3: Uh, and then you have one would-be political process moving Joe Biden into the Oval Office and the president basically saying, I didn't lose this election. And right. and the president really believes. He said, listen, if I lost, I lost. And there were a lot of things against him. I asked him one month ago or two months ago, I said, if you lose for re-election, George W.H.W. Bush said it was one of the biggest disappointments of his life. Will you feel that way? And he said, look at everything that's going against me. It Basically, <laughs> was almost telling me, How could I not lose this election? But then he believed in the end he won it. And he cannot believe Joe Biden, in all his ineptness, won it. So he's at a loss right now, Douglas.
12: He has to accept the results if they are clearly against him. And unless he produces far more evidence than he has so far, I have to say, as an independent observer, it's my view that if he hasn't produced the evidence, if he can't produce the evidence, then he's obviously got to stand aside. Uh, I think that this is a very dangerous corner for America. And all of us who love America have to worry about this because... Uh, you know, there are lots of things that were strange about this election. I mean, I, I saw it, you saw it, all your listeners saw it. There was zero visible momentum for Joe Biden. And there was huge momentum for for uh, Donald Trump. I saw it myself at the rallies, thousands and thousands of people. Uh, uh, Joe Biden, okay, also, he was doing the corona distancing more. But Joe Biden couldn't get large crowds out. You you couldn't meet anyone. I went all over the states in the recent weeks. You couldn't meet people who were just thrilled at the idea that Joe Biden in his sixth decade in politics might achieve something he hadn't achieved in his previous five decades. You know, there was nobody who was just rah, rah, thrilled to pieces that Joe Biden might become president. And so in that situation, I can understand that a lot of people are thinking, how on earth has the momentum been behind Biden. But if, 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 if the facts, when they are gone through, show it, then obviously Trump has to stand aside. And by the way, whoever becomes the next president, can I make a suggestion? Yes. The, the United States needs to try to find some way to come together, and it's going to only find a way to come together if it, can, if it can agree on things. And one thing that would be most important to agree on would be the results of elections. So how about after this election, who, whoever has seen to have won it, there is a serious cross-party effort to look into actual um, vulnerabilities in the American voting system because it's not good enough just for each four years, the losing party, to claim that they lost because of uh, voter fraud. Uh, the Democrats did it last time. Trump and others are doing it this time. The whole country is going to be split eternally if this goes on.
3: So if Joe Biden takes over... People, you, you write in your column in the Daily Mail, uh, UK, stop high-fiving. It's it's not going to be better for us.
12: Yeah, that's right. My view is that uh, Joe Biden is, you look, my own country, Great Britain, never had any great love for Donald Trump. You know, there was, uh, I think he never made it more than about 25% in public approval ratings in the UK. That's fine. He wasn't running for election in the UK. But the interesting thing to note in this is that although Donald Trump had a sort of slightly, uh, you know, the British were weren't never that keen on him, nevertheless, they should have been because for the sake of Great Britain, he was an infinitely better candidate uh, than Joe Biden. Donald Trump was in the process It's worth remembering of seeing through a serious comprehensive and generous trade agreement between the UK and the US And there were brilliant people involved in that Robert Lighthizer the trade ambassador and others I was told by both sides that the the negotiations were going great guns for a big US-UK trade deal Well if Biden is in it's a very different story Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden have said outright that if Britain leaves the EU on the terms it looks like we might leave it on, they refuse to give Britain a US-UK trade deal. Yep. I mean, you know, Nancy Pelosi was so angry about this, you could see her to steal a Trumpism, you could see her trying to keep her teeth in her mouth. She was just spitting with rage, spitting with rage about Great Britain. Uh, you can forget about it, she said, uh, because they think, completely ignorantly, they think that the Good Friday Agreement is put in jeopardy if we leave the EU on these terms. So, so actually, the interesting thing for people like uh, the British public, like the European publics are, they may not have wanted to have voted for Donald Trump, but they should have seen the good things in him, because he would have been a lot better on that, among other things, for this country, for Great Britain, than his uh, potential successor looks like being.
3: That is uh, true. The other thing that's interesting is that the Brit- the, the Europeans, including you guys, or the UK, have uh, realized, okay, the U.S. is making it clear they want us to spend more in our military. And they're making it clear that NATO's got to prove itself and shows it's still valid today. And I'm personally, I'm pro-NATO, and I was not mm. thrilled with that. But what it forced Europe to do is say, what if we're alone? And they know- began to get a synergy with each other on their own defense. And the president calling out that pipeline that that uh, hubbed in Germany and sped out throughout Europe, he says, yeah, we're protecting you, and you're buying natural gas from Russia. <laughs> We yeah. would never have done that, and any other president. And it's actually, I think, in the long run, going to help all of us
12: yeah you know i I couldn't agree more Brian at the end of this- pre- if this is the end of the Trump presidency, then among other things, people should have the grace to recognize the things now that they didn't have the grace to recognize during the presidency that Trump got right. You know you heard all these people from across Europe saying throughout the presidency that Trump was anti nato he wasn't anti nato he said exactly the same thing as every single one of his predecessors, Democrat and Republican had said, which is the European powers have to pay their required uh, subs to NATO. Every single president said that. Uh, the thing was, Trump said it really clearly and made it clear that he meant it. And you know what? The countries in NATO that were free-riding ended up paying up. It worked. But but here was the press internationally saying, particularly in America, oh, this is an anti-NATO president. Nonsense. He demonstrated himself to be the most pro-NATO president imaginable because he made NATO work and pay.
3: I, I thought that was clear, and just because you're not going to be friends with someone doesn't mean you're actually helping them. Sometimes your best boss come, is very cr- tough, tough with you. Your best coach doesn't kiss your butt or pander. Yeah, And that yeah. that's what I think the case was, and I think that's how we're going to look at it. And then you look at the Middle East in terms of foreign policy. It was that horrible Iran deal that allowed Trump to win, and then looked at all these other nations and say, we agree Iran's the problem and Israel isn't. And now we're watching Bahrain establish relations. They're establishing tourist flights back and forth. And we know the same thing with Sudan. And we know the same thing with the UAE. And that's not going away. I mean, how do people look at that as a problem?
12: You know what? Uh, 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 the, there's an interesting thing going on in Norway at the moment. You don't often get to say that. Uh, uh, the, the Nobel Prize Committee is in a bit of a problem because last year they gave the Nobel Peace Prize to somebody called Abiy Ahmed, the Ethiopian prime minister. And this week uh, he's announced war uh, in, <laughs> in, in the Tigray region of his country. Yeah. And, uh, and he's refusing to de-escalate and he's refused all, all calls for dialogue. Now, here's the thing. The the, the Nobel Prize is forever being given to people who end up announcing a war a few hours later. Uh, It happened with Yasser Arafat. Yeah. And otherwise they give it to people who've never done anything like Barack Obama. Uh, Donald Trump In the last few months alone has overseen deals that have seen historic peace accords and normalization between Israel and multiple other countries. I bet you anything the Nobel Peace Prize Committee won't bother to recognize that. Nobody will bother to recognize it. And we get back to one of the fundamental things like NATO, like all these other things. People have been, because they've been so keen to criticise President Trump, and goodness knows there's all sorts of criticisms you can make, but they've been so keen to criticise him, they haven't had the decency and the integrity to point out the things he's done that are unadulteratedly good. And peace deals in the Middle East are unadulteratedly good, but nobody, including the Democrats, can even bring themselves to admit they've happened.
3: Yeah. And we're talking to Douglas Murray here. uh, Deep Thinker has a real handle of uh, a life in and out of our country. But inside our country, Bernie Sanders is under the belief he's got a seat at the table that he's going to make Mm -hmm. Joe Biden uh, the most progressive president ever. Listen to him.
10: If your question is, do I expect that the Biden administration will do everything that Bernie Sanders believes? No, I don't. But do I expect that they will come forward and
9: keep their word in uh, maintaining uh, and, and legislating on the proposals, which we agree to? Yes, I do.
3: Then the proposals are basically work towards Medicare for all, work towards stopping oil and gas, a- environmentally going back to the Paris Accords, mm-hmm. and probably the, the uh, Iran deal, which even yeah. Chuck Schumer knew was a joke. And Iran has now essentially got a full-blown nuclear program.
12: Your thoughts about what could happen here? Yeah, Uh, the Iran deal, they're they're, they're certainly going to go back into it. You know, it was the bravery uh, of, of Mike Pompeo and Donald Trump that got America out of that rotten deal and uh i don't doubt at all that the biden administration will if they said they would uh, go straight back into that rotten deal and you can expect pallets more of your american taxpayers cash to be being dumped on the Mueller's doorstep any morning now as a special surprise uh, uh re-normalization effort by the biden administration should it come in but but uh, as for mr sanders uh, it's a very interesting one isn't it because because Biden has been able to run on pretending to be Mr. Absolutely Mainstream you know, G-shut, you know, if you vote for me, uh, it'll be business as normal. But, of course, we all know that even if uh, Biden was in the first flush of youth, uh, which nobody could say he is, uh, he'd have a hard time fighting off the far radical left of his own party. That's where all the movement is in the Democratic Party. It's with uh, Crazy Bernie. It's with AOC. No wonder these people are expecting a seat at the table. They are the movement. They're the people who get the voters out these days.
3: That's so funny you're using Trump's terms. Uh, and lastly, Doug, you saw the violence over the weekend and all they wanted to do was show respect for a president that they have for the last four years and want four more. And it ended up being uh, violent and targeted. And you saw what Black Lives Matter's done with this country. What's your what's your sense on Antifa and others causing havoc in our cities?
12: You know, I saw Antifa up close, I infiltrated them for two nights in Portland, Oregon last month before the election. And on election night, I was just north of the White House and I saw Antifa gathering there. I videoed it. I went over to video and record it. By the way, the world's press were all pointing their cameras to the White House and ignoring that this paramilitary group was changing into their black costumes in the doorways right beside them. I went over to try to video them and show what they were doing and they immediately turned on me these uh, thugs of Antifa, who are just fascists. They're just fascists. They've got to drop the anti bit. Nobody's being fooled anymore. Uh, And they threatened me. They pushed me. They tried to get me away. And thank goodness there was some police a couple of blocks later. Uh, These people are thugs. And it is a scandal that the, the, the leading democracy in the world, America, uh, has has city after city where these paramilitary fascist thugs are allowed to go around and intimidate journalists and tell people they're not allowed to record, and not allowed to report. It's an absolute scandal. And whoever is president should crack down on them. But I'm afraid right. that I can't see why Biden would. I don't see how he will. He, he doesn't even is... believe they exist. He thinks they're just a kind of metaphorical idea, you know, an idea that sometimes shoots people in the head.
3: Douglas Murray, I hear your frustration. I appreciate your courage, and thanks so much for your candor. He's the author of The Madness of Crowds. Always great to have you on, Douglas.
12: The great pleasure, Brian.
3: All right. Uh, we come back, your calls, then John Tafford. Don't move.
2: Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Get
10: this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. He's so
2: busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Here go. Let's go out to KZRG. Mark is in Joplin, Missouri. Hey, Mark.
5: Hey, uh, good uh, good, morning. And uh, I'd just
11: like to say that there's so many people that seem to hate President Trump, but they can't tell you why they you know, know, you ask him why, and they say, "Because the things he says." I said, "What's he saying?" They can't answer. They say he's Hitler. I said, "What he means Hitler?" They can't answer that. So I'm, I'm, I know they're brainwashed, and, and I'm wondering whether there hasn't been any subliminal messaging going on, which I would suspect CNN or CNBC. But during no, the second, no, debate, there's no
3: subliminal. It's straight ahead. He's terrible, but it doesn't matter. Uh, the, he still has more passion for him than against him and inc- increased his increases vote total. Will, 95.3 MNC, Indiana.
5: Hey, Brian, thanks a lot. Um, yeah, I think
11: you did a great job uh, interviewing Mark. I'm going to leap back just for a moment here. But the last question that you asked him uh, was, I thought, was about what things have happened policy-wise that Trump's put into uh, motion that w- m- might be sticky, you know, that might still you know hang around and you know each uh, new regime seems to say they're going to reverse this they're going to reverse this but i think that trump is a businessman he saw other company rather countries as uh, competitors so i just wonder uh, what do you think that he's done uh, in that sense Mike,
5: you know Stick around and still be good for it I
3: think a lot, he's going to take on China And put in some uh, executive orders That are going to be almost impossible politically For him to reverse His Middle East policy is impossible to touch It's so good I just worry about the troop withdrawal I don't think we have enough people there
10: from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him. You love him. You want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
11: On indoor dining, uh, they're at 25%. They were supposed to
10: go to 50%. I stopped that, uh, and I just closed them at 10 p.m. And if the numbers continue to go up, we're going to clamp down even more.
3: Isn't that great? wonderful, inviting guy who gets a paycheck regardless of how the restaurants do, how the gyms do, uh, how your life is. He still gets to do what he does. Got his free mansion. We pay for taxpayer dollars. His girls get to visit him. He gets to do his book tour where all these people uh, in New York say what a great leader he is. And he talks about what a bad president Donald Trump is. Wouldn't it be great to be Governor Cuomo? I say no. Uh, joining me now is John Taffer, a guy that knows so many people that have lost everything through this pandemic because restaurants have shut down, been unable to open with restrictions they weren't unable to thrive in, but has not stopped him from launching uh, Taffer's Taverns. You know, the bar rescue superstar John Taffer joins us now. John, welcome.
13: Ah, uh, Good to be back, Ryan.
3: John, does that burn you to see a politician talk so haphazardly, uh, so dismissively of the business person?
13: Oh, it does, Brian. And, and you know, I want to remind us all that the restaurant industry lost more employees than any other in a pandemic. There's a million restaurants coast to coast. And here's what's fascinating, Brian. Seventy percent of those restaurants are single unit owners, meaning the classic ma and pa small business in America. And, you know, to me, there's the cockiness in which it's presented is so disrespectful to those business owners. That there's a pride in his action rather than sorrow in his action. That's what really sort of bothered me, Brian, about not only what he said, but the way he said it.
3: And uh, Yeah, I mean, it's the worst. Uh, it's every personification yeah. of New York. It's almost a parody of what, in, what people think New York is. They're totally not aware that in bending the curve, he destroyed a city. 300,000 households have left New York City. 300,000 in eight months. So even if the restaurants were to open, nobody's working and no one's going. I'm sure I could say the same thing about Chicago. And my goodness, I was in L.A. two weeks ago. The whole place is boarded up. It took me a half hour to find a place to have breakfast. But when I see that, I think of not my inconvenience. I think of people. I used to wait or, you know, have a, a bar as my whole family. We were out for two weeks. We could have been losing everything these people are asked to exist out for eight months but yet you john taffer said i'm gonna open up taffer's tavern the first of your franchise
13: yeah it's, it's interesting timing wise but <laughs> in you know, georgia you know, it's it there was one other thing that really bothered me about the regulatory approach, and that was the separation of restaurants and bars. And you're second generation in this business. Your dad was in it. You're in it. Uh, uh, think about this. Bars had to close, but restaurants could stay open. So a bar with food yep. had to close, but a restaurant with a bar could stay open. It was ridiculous. Nuts. And, then, and then what happened was every restaurant became a bar at 9, 10 o'clock at night. So imagine being the bar owner. You're shut down, and the restaurant next door to you at 11 o'clock at night is functioning as a bar. So, I mean, it was outrageous the level to which this uh, uh, hurt people. Now, look, we're seven, eight months into debt, many of these businesses, Brian. So, you know, whatever stimulus and hopefully something is created – uh, uh, has to happen quickly, and it has to address debt. It can't just address payroll going forward. We have to address debt in the next stimulus package, or we're going to lose many, many more restaurants.
3: Uh, and there's no question about it. I think a lot of people got uh, got their heart when they were finally allowed to open up with some indoor dining, 25%, and nobody showed up. And now they have yeah. a 10 o'clock curfew. So to places like Long Island, just think if you're listening around the country, suburbs. So now there's a curfew at 10 o'clock. They start handing out styrofoam boxes at 10 o'clock, hit the road. And believe me, what happens to the virus at 11 o'clock? I don't get it.
13: I don't get it either. And again, the disrespect to customers, the disrespect to business owners and the approach to it. You know, you asked about Taffer's Tavern, Brad. I got to tell you a funny story. I started creating Taffer's Tavern two years ago uh, when unemployment was so low that the restaurant industry couldn't find employees. So we were really struggling. And think about the turn that we've taken in a year. A year ago, the restaurant industry's biggest problem was we couldn't find employees. So I said, boy, we got to reinvent the casual uh, restaurant model to accommodate the lack of employees available. So I said, I'm going to reinvent the kitchen. So I created a robotic and computerized kitchen to address the lack of labor. And that's how this started, Brian, which is fascinating. Then when COVID hit, we realized, son of a gun, we got the safest kitchen in the world because it has less human contact by far, less counter yeah. space. less of. So we wound up with the safest kitchen in the, wor- in the world. But that isn't how it started, Brian. It really started based on the the boom in the economy uh, uh, and not, not the pandemic effect upon the economy. Interesting process.
3: Yeah, I know. I remember you de- describing this to me about these new ovens. Uh, And and the way the, the ovens work and you basically you're living in a touchless environment.
13: You are. And the product is produced sous vide and sous vide is defined as under vacuum. So imagine this. You take a steak, you season it, you put it in this very special plastic package and then you put it in hot water at 135 degrees, which is perfect medium rare. The steak comes up to perfect medium-rare in the package, and then you run it through a very specialized oven that chars it and finishes it off, and you have a flawless medium-rare steak identical every time, and it's unbelievably tender and delicious. So those are the kind of technologies that we're using to make this work, and it's exciting, Brian. As a restaurant guy, you you can specify everything much tighter, have much greater consistency. Uh, uh, The human error factor and inconsistencies are so, taken out of the equation
3: well like anything else it's a franchise correct so if i like you're opening up this one but if i want to open up one in another city there's certain things i have to do the supplies i'm going to get uh and i'll have your support but um is that the way it's going to work
13: It is. It's a franchise now. We've sold Washington, D.C. and Virginia. We've sold Boston, and there's other markets that we're selling. And, yeah, we provide all the support, uh, the training and all that, like a typical franchise. But it's an exciting time to do it. And here's what's interesting, Brian. In all of this pandemic and turmoil, we came out of the gate 100% over budget. We're doing great. We've only been open for a couple of weeks. And, you know, another thing about this whole crisis that people don't understand, I have a dear friend who runs a company called Shift4, and they do billions of dollars in credit card processing for the restaurant industry, and nobody knows restaurant numbers better than them. They see how everybody's doing by state and city. They can compare it to last year, etc. New Jersey and Connecticut, six weeks ago, were tracking ahead of last year. And nobody talks about that. You think every state is down, every state. Nope. Those two states were tracking ahead of last year because when New York City was shut down, Brian, people went to restaurants and got to go and take out all in Jersey and Connecticut. So New York wound up displacing the business that transacted in New Jersey and Connecticut anyway.
3: And this clown wrote a book about his brilliant handling of the pandemic. Uh, He just destroyed businesses and moved business to another state uh, and he wants to give his how-to uh, manual out. Uh, John, the other yeah. thing is, uh, you worry too. I imagine if you open up in these states, what's out of your control is a governor that wants to shut things down. Everyone's worried, concerned about the virus. But I haven't learned anything new about the virus in six months. We have the same drill. No. We know about the distance. We know about the, uh, the masks. Uh, we know about to wash our hands. And that's what I'm using as a business person to keep in mind when I, when I plot and lay something out. People have to feel good about coming. So, yeah. do you worry about a politician taking your business away from you, technically?
13: You know, Brian, uh, yes, of course. And think about it. I mean, that was an inconceivable notion. Just 11 months ago, inconceivable notion in America that such a thing could even happen. And now it happens. And, you know, it's almost like global warming or climate change where, you know, a bunch of scientists say one thing, a bunch of scientists say another. and, And the politics, the politician chooses which one he likes. Right. And and, and pursues that that direction. You know, there are so many scientific arguments, pro and con. In the end, these seem more like political decisions than scientific based decisions. The other interesting thing, Brian, is, you know, we can argue masks and and inside. But one thing you can't argue is when we're with each other, we have a chance of, 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 of cross contaminating. When we're not with each other, we don't. So that's the one thing we know. If we're apart, we can't transfer it to each other. So how do partial lockdowns do much of anything when you really think about it, Brian? Right. You think that if contact is what's taking us down, then it's sort of all or nothing to make it work. So, True. so I don't understand a lot of the logic behind it, and that's sort of proven out in what's happened in Europe.
3: And what people have also told—and by the way, remember, Europe did it right, and we should show the same discipline, and Europe is now yeah. all, all shut down uh, from Germany to Belgium— to Italy, they're almost, Italy's almost approaching, sadly, the levels they had over the summer, over the spring, rather. So don't tell me anybody knows how to do it. Then Sweden said, we're not going to lock anyone down, just the vulnerable. They're having problems now. Russia, yeah. who lies about everything, the only place that's semi-okay is Moscow. The suburbs have been destroyed, and China will just shoot a doctor for speaking out and still has not been candid about how this happened. I salute uh, Japan and South Korea and Taiwan, but those are anomalies as, as well as New Zealand. The rest of the world world 170 nations dealing with the same thing but i do know this and no one can no one denies this never before has anyone quarantined a healthy population and that's what you're doing and the downside of that is people begin to wilt from the inside you need interaction from this from the 12 year old student to the 78 year old grandparent so this, this whole yeah. lockdown is a simple answer to something that's more complicated than that. And I want you to hear this guy, Austin Bellhart. He's a California CEO and business owner. He was on at Laura last night. I thought you could relate to this. Cut, ten.
0: I can't believe it. Um, my business or one of my companies actually had a very hard time. We had a furlough a bunch of our staff. Uh, we brought them back. We're now going strong. Uh, my companies are currently thriving. And now we're talking about this second shutdown. You know, honestly, I'm in the business of helping other businesses, and I'm very concerned. Uh, you know, many of comp- many of these businesses that I work with barely survived that first shutdown, and now, right before the holidays, a second shutdown. Many won't make it. Many people will go bankrupt. Does that sound familiar?
13: Uh, I would say the same exact words, Brian. I guess that's why you played it. But sure. And you know, as one who serves other businesses. Uh, uh, the calls that I'm getting, the emails that I'm getting, Brian, it's hard not to have tears come to your eyes. So I remind everybody that, you know, when I drive by a closed bar or restaurant, I don't see a closed bar or restaurant, Brian. I sort of picture the family. Yeah. I sort of picture the life savings, the disappointment. I picture the excitement when they open, Brian, you know, pictures to their mother and, the, and how all of that is lost and how dreams are lost and incentives are lost. And it's, it's ex- an extremely powerful situation that we're seeing, but here's what really sort of bothers me. I sit on the board of one of the largest hospitals in the world, and I can't say what it is, but it's one that everybody knows. And, you know, what we've accomplished in the vaccine isn't just terrific, it's, it's miraculous. Uh, uh, What we've accomplished in 10 months is unbelievable. And, you know, the current administration is getting no credit for this incredible accomplishment that is going to end this once and for all. And when we consider the amount of vaccines that are hitting, heck, Brian, Dr. Fauci said we'll have 700 million of them by April 1st. Uh, He said we'll have 50 million by the end of December. So I suggest that the pandemic is winding down, even though the numbers are so high. And I say winding down in reference to a clock because I think 120 days from now this is a very different America and, and you know, hats off to the Trump administration Absolutely. for making this happen so quickly and there's no credit uh, uh, for the the, the government-private partnerships and, and the, the changes to FDA regulations and the way this has been handled by the administration, so you know that's something that, that it bothers me that we're not happier, uh, more proud of ourselves as a society that we've been able to accomplish this, and the end of this is is so uh, near to us. You know, Brian, when you look at yeah,
3: they're going to save the world again. And by the way, though, you, if you're impressed with the scientists, you're going to really be impressed with the distributors. It's called the U.S. military. Interacting yep. with FedEx and UPS, they're going to be getting it to your hospitals and every the th- hospitals that you sit on the board of. And it's going to get to America's suburbs and rural communities.
13: Quickly, too. You know what else, Brian? I've had the opportunity over the years to go into communities after hurricanes and help rebuild those businesses. And when I look at New York and Los Angeles and Chicago, it sort of reminds me of post-hurricane. In, in that the businesses are closed, the community is demoralized. You know, it's it's past this uh, a disrupted market. I call it a a dysfunctional market, if you will. After a hurricane like that, it'll typically take two to three years. For a city to recover, now that is without riots. That's in a positive economic environment. That's with solid government supporting, you know, the rebuilding of businesses. So when you look at it in New York or in L.A., Brian, we're looking at years before we see these cities come back to normal life.
3: Right, and we'll work through it. And I just so I just think about all the bars you rescued, the restaurants you saved, and now this is just out of your hands. But there's a lot more for you to do in bar rescue and your. Uh, in your series and, John, a lot more in the real world of uh, of Taffer's Tavern. Uh, John, I can't thank you enough. Is there a place to go if people want to open up their own?
13: Uh, sure. You can go to JohnTaffer.com and click through, or you can just go to TaffersTavern.com.
3: John, talk to you soon. Always oh, great.
13: Same here, buddy. Take care.
3: That's real world, and that's real world hurdles that we're in, thanks to a lot to do with politicians, but most of all, China.
2: A radio show of the people, for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream
10: is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to
2: Fox News. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade.
7: For a mere $17,500, you get access to a 12-month private jet
1: membership. It includes a little bit more, too, about $4,000 in flight credits. You also get a $3,500 Costco membership. You get access to events. Costco did team up with Wheels Up, which is a, a private aviation company, and they say that they are accessible, and you can pretty much book a jet like this 365 days a year within 24 hours notice.
3: Costco is actually going to let you book a flight. I know wheels up. yeah, you know, the former giant kicker is a part of what the investor's there. Uh, so the, can you believe you can get that at Costco?
8: You can get everything at Costco. But I know you always love looking into your private jets, even though not as if you have one yet.
3: You know what? Every once in a while I get an email and I ask how much. I just can't make it make sense.
8: You can't make $17,500 make like sense? One day
3: they go, if you act now, you can get it for— uh, fifteen grand. It's dollars Yeah, like— <laughs> And it's, my main thing is the dogs, is that if I want to take the dogs anywhere, since flying is not great commercially, can't mm-hmm. take my dogs are too huge, I'm thinking to myself, rather than driving with them, which tortures them, what if I got them on a plane? But it just doesn't make sense.
8: Yes. But with so with Costco's now offering this rate for a discount. However, you do get some flight credits, but you still then need to pay for the price of the flight.
3: Yeah, you do. But And you got to pay for the pilots. That's why it's always good to have Sean Hannity. He's got his tough decision every day. Should I take the helicopter or the plane?
8: If only the rest of America could just, like, you know, give Sean a call, say, hey, Sean, (laughs) can you help me out? I need to get here.
3: But keep in mind, no one gave him anything. He earned every cent of it. He invested money. He's even got more than radio and TV. So he's earned it all, and he could not be more kind in giving with it. You've been on his plane, right?
8: I have. He's very generous. He insists on making everyone drinks himself. It's like
3: he oh, yes, yeah, true. He is the flight attendant on his own plane. He loves it. Right. I can't believe it. I wonder if Trump's like that on his own plane.
8: You've been on his plane.
3: Right. Before uh, he was president. Before he was president. Yeah. We're just kidding. And my daughter, who was two at the time, was all upset. She didn't want to be stuck on the couch. She'd rather have <laughs> cargo.
10: It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Heard around the world, heard around the country, and coming from New York City, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Martha McCallum, uh, the esteemed broadcaster, newscaster, will be joining us at the bottom of the hour, bringing us the latest news that the Trump administration has asked for two counties to be recounted in Wisconsin. It's going to cost about $2 bucks. They are heavily Democratic counties, but the president's got to make up for 20000 He thinks he could find it there. Chris Darwell will join us in twenty minutes. Uh, that'll be uh, interesting. BrianKillmeachow. By the way, that where to ever if you ever want to get the show and can't have to leave your family of affiliates, your local affiliate in the area in which you're listening to now. If you ever want to get the podcast, go to Spotify, go to iTunes, or you could just always watch uh, live on Fox Nation. Also, iHeart. Let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
5: Number three. Are you an expert in voter fraud? No, I'm not. Well, why then is Twitter right now putting purported warnings on virtually any statement about voter fraud?
4: We're simply linking to a broader conversation.
5: That's taking a disputed policy position, and you're a publisher when you're doing that.
3: Ted Cruz on fire. Big tech, big trouble. The brawl on Capitol Hill and what is going to come of it, everybody understands, including the big Google, Facebook, and Twitter that you have to have more regulation are you on
6: board
0: number two with thanksgiving around the corner follow recommendations from medical experts
6: getting together with your family via zoom to ensure your
5: loved
0: ones stay safe is the right thing to do wear a mask take it off when you eat or drink then put it back on keep six feet apart as much as you can
5: and try not to share utensils
3: right or breath and those are the same things that we have heard I don't know, for nine months, but these Midwest governors, virus surging, vaccine fast track, state after state begins cracking down on our freedoms to the point where they even want to regulate our houses. Is that okay with you? It is not with me.
9: Number one.
7: This is a slightly different situation from Floyd. These were scanned votes that are on a memory card, whereas Floyd were a a box of unscanned votes. The reason you have the audit is because human beings are going to make mistakes. and You find those mistakes and you correct those mistakes as you go. Gabriel
3: Sterling, head of elections for Georgia. What a mess. They've already found about, I don't know, 8000 votes that weren't counted. Fight still tight. Fight till it's right. President Trump gains more votes in Georgia recount while rapidly running out of legal options in Pennsylvania, Nevada, Michigan. But it has not stopped Trump from making big moves, firings, drawdowns and possible missile strikes of Iran but is it time for trump to start transitioning i say yes keep fighting keep doing everything you're doing go ahead in wisconsin finish off in pennsylvania continuing the recount up until midnight tonight in georgia they got to be done by then see what you want to do about arizona but at the same time in an office far far away just let biden get his intelligence briefing Let him know what you're doing on the coronavirus, because when he gets the inside information on how well you're doing, that is truly going to be a time in which he understands what he's getting into if he's lucky enough to hold on. So let's talk about big tech yesterday. During our show, we played a couple of clips, and you might have seen some, but most of you, I hope most of you are working or at school. But everybody can relate to Facebook, Google, and Twitter. Whether you choose not to partake, but you know it's playing a role in our lives. Just know, too, if you have a mutual fund, more than likely your money manager is investing in it. So at the same time you don't want to destroy and take pride in these companies, they cannot decide who is going to win elections. And it's so clear to me that they got together or were embarrassed about 2016. Insiders have told us that. They told you on this show. And they're trying to rebalance the scale against the president. That's why they stopped 65 of his tweets and none of Biden's. That's why they stopped Border Patrol from publishing the situation at the border. Later apologized. That's why they stopped a Hunter Biden story that came out that showed possibly an investment from Joe Biden in China, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, and dare I say, Russia. True. They destroyed the New York Post story until the election was over and later apologized. Jack Dorsey who must be a genius, he just doesn't act like he's really interested in anything in life, said this
4: of Twitter, of course. Cut 13. We were called here today because of an enforcement decision we made against the New York Post based on a policy we created in 2018 to prevent Twitter from being used to spread hacked materials. This resulted in us blocking people from sharing a New York Post article, publicly or privately. We made a quick interpretation using no other evidence, that the materials in the article were obtained through hacking, and according to our policy, we blocked them from being spread. Upon further consideration, we admitted this action was wrong and corrected it within 24 hours.
3: They're so much smarter than me. They got this huge staff. It's almost as good as the staff at Fox. Uh, This Brian Kilmeade show staff, which uh, headed up by Allison and Eric and Pete, there's constantly a power struggle between all three of them. But... We all knew it wasn't hacked. We all knew he dropped off the laptop. We all knew the FBI was investigating the laptop. By the way, what happened with that investigation? We all knew these were authenticated. If you had an investigative team, why not pick up the phone and call 1-800-HUNTER and say, these are your emails. These were out. The FBI was investigating. They were real. You held it off for no reason. And Joe Biden never has answered questions about Tony Bobolinsky, who was asked to come in, who met with Joe Biden at least two times, to talk about his investment in that company. And you, after the election's over, you apologize. Sorry not accepting it. Josh Hawley, senator from Missouri, an impact senator. He's already attorney general, wins a closed Senate race, and now making a name for himself. This guy's going to run for president in a few years, no question. He had a whistleblower come forward and talk about the coordination between Google, Facebook, and Twitter on this very issue. Cut 14.
10: Does Facebook coordinate its content moderation policies or efforts in any way with Google or
0: Twitter? Senator, let me be clear about this. Uh, we we do coordinate on and, and share signals on security-related topics. But I think it's important to be very clear that that is distinct from the content moderation policies Uh, that we or the other companies have. Uh, Each company makes its own assessment of the right way to address uh, and deal with that information.
10: Well, I'm talking about content moderation. I'm talking about individuals, websites, hashtags, phrases to ban. Is it your testimony that you do not communicate with Twitter or Google about content moderation?
0: Senator, we do not coordinate our policies.
3: But the problem is they do, and the worksheet that they showed on the floor revealed it. And they say they do it for security reasons. On the surface, it might be fine. But what if you have an agenda to stop a president you don't deem acceptable to your industry or to the country? And then you could apologize later. Ted Cruz, cut 15.
5: Are you an expert in voter fraud? No, I'm not. Well, why then is Twitter right now putting purported warnings on virtually any statement about voter fraud?
4: We're we're simply linking to a broader conversation so that people have more information.
5: No, no, you're not. You put up a page that says, quote, voter fraud of any kind is exceedingly rare in the United States. That's not linking to a broader conversation. That's taking a disputed policy position. And you're a publisher when you're doing that.
3: Just keep in mind, these are the smartest guys in the country. They're playing games with us. They said if you mention voter fraud, you freeze the account, like the president of the United States. They have no problem doing that. When you found out that at least 5,000 ballots weren't counted in Georgia and they were ready to certify the results until a recount, you could say investigating voter fraud or you might want to put a tag on it. I'm not sure. But are you going to get to the point where if you say voter fraud was committed in X state, that you're going to do your own investigation and decide whether it's right or not. I don't think people should really be involved in that level. If you want to publish, I want everyone dead in that state, that's a problem. Crowded firehouse, that whole analogy, works. But if someone says there's massive fraud going on, that's their opinion. I thought they'd be able to put that out, almost letters to the editor, which I heard that's what basically Facebook and Twitter is. Google as well, suppressing certain trends to show that maybe things aren't happening the way they should. So I ask you this, is it time for regulation? At the same time, I'm proud of those companies, what they were able to do and dominate the world. But they changed their rules for China, communist country. They suppress information in China, communist country, in order to get the ads, in order to get the money. In Vietnam, same thing. Maybe that's a good business model. But over here, they're suppressing on their own People, things that they don't feel we should know. Are you okay with that? I know it's a little bit more complicated because hate speech. Antifa decides to use Twitter as a way to communicate with other uh, mutants so they destroy other cities. Are you okay with that? I'm not. But at the same time, I don't want a campaign stopped, Democrat or Republican or Independent or Libertarian, because you don't agree with the content. But we are agreeing with this. Since 1996, there has not been major regulation. They all are looking, uh, including the the big guns in Silicon Valley, the Republicans and Democrats are looking to make it more transparent and go over a new regulatory framework. If sincere, they could get something done. I don't want to throttle them. But they have to know that if they're going to destroy you, me, or the company we're with, that they're going to destroy and suppress and shadow ban our followers because they have a political agenda or look at us as dangerous because we don't agree with them, that's an issue. I love the fact that this group Parler is moving up. It's got 10 million followers, just scratching the surface on Twitter, but it shows the free market. We don't trust Twitter. We're moving on. That I found fascinating yesterday. Very rarely do these have real fireworks. No one was showing for an election, and I really saw substance where Blumenthal and Cory Booker were playing politics and saying the president is dangerous. These other guys were saying, wait, content is dangerous, and you just put your hand on the scale with an election. And then playing dumb when I know you're the smartest people around is just insulting. And these CEOs who aren't involved day to day put the CEO, the CFO next to them so they can't say I'll get back to you because they never do. That's got to be the next time. When we come back, we talk about politics. We talk about the recounts. We talk about the transition. uh, And we also uh, talk about where we go from here with this this election. Uh, We'll have Chris Dyerwalt next. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
4: There's a way to deal with disputes. It's called the courts. And the courts in the various states are dealing with whatever disputes there are, whatever evidence may be provided. And we're going to have an orderly transfer from this administration to the next one. What we all say about it is frankly irrelevant. All of this will happen, as I laid out a minute ago, news question. All of it will happen right on time. And we'll swear in the, the next administration on January 20th.
3: And uh, that is Mitch McConnell who has been through the war and back and now is desperate to hold on to one Senate seat uh, of the two in a runoff election in January. And then he stays in power in the majority. And then he's got his hands full in 2022. He's got even uh, more of an uphill climb. But who knows what the uh, what the world, what the country's going to think right now after if Joe Biden is able to hold on and become president of the United States through all these recounts. Again, to repeat just what came over, uh, Wisconsin's going to uh, be recounted in two counties, which are heavy Democratic counties. Here with that strategy and talk more about it is Chris Stierwald. Chris, it's going to cost about $2 million. Uh, one of the counties, I understand, one of the cities will be Milwaukee. What is the other, and what do you think they'll find?
6: Oh, I didn't know there would be a fact-based quiz portion of my visit today. I don't know what the other county is. Oh, that really? That just happened. I, unfair. Wow. <laughs>
3: unfair. So what do you think they're going to find in these two Democratic counties in Wisconsin? Do you think that – was there any reports of anything disturbing happening there?
6: Not that I heard. Um, well, everybody – disturbing is subjective. Everybody has their own definition, but I didn't hear anything. Uh, disturbing. You know, it's important for people to remember on recounts, the largest ever change in votes on a statewide recount in history was in Florida, and it was like 1,200 votes. That's the largest ever. Mostly recounts change a few hundred votes, Um, and it's important for Republicans to manage their expectations in Georgia and in Wisconsin and in other places. When you're down twenty thousand votes, a recount two, even even if it was a even if there was a high error rate, relatively speaking, it would be very unlikely to reverse the outcome. How how
3: disturbing is it that they found all these votes that were just uncounted? Oh, forgot to upload on a flash drive. Oh, human error. The President was able to pick up um, about seven hundred votes two days ago and about four hundred votes yesterday. Does
6: that bother you? No, that happens all the time. When you have when you have 150, 160 million people do something, uh, human beings are going to forget to do stuff and they're going to flick the wrong thing. That's why we so that's why every jurisdiction in the United States does a canvas, uh, which is usually a week or so after the election. The officials go back through and they check every did everybody do what they were supposed to do. They 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 do the punch list and go through and make sure that everything was done the right way. So, uh, so, so here, not, are two,
3: here are the two here uh, are the two the two counties, Milwaukee and Dane, uh, the
6: two most Democratic counties in the state. Yep. yep, Dane Dane is Dane is University of Wisconsin at Madison.
3: So what do you think the theory is there that uh, since they got such a little turnout, they think they got more? So do you go in? Do you try to mine a Democratic county then mine a Rep- max a Republican one? That's interesting.
6: Well, so if you're trying to, so first of all, you're trying to save money. A statewide recount is like seven point whatever million, seven point three million dollars. So they're trying to save money, I suppose. Those uh, with Milwaukee County, it's it's uh, it's more obvious because it's just that's where the most number of votes are. So you'd go for a place that had you got you were going to get a lot of bang for your buck, even in a place where that's heavily Democratic, you're still going to have just by volume. uh, I'll put it this way. There are a lot more Republicans in New York, the state of New York, than they are in Wyoming. Uh, (laughs) So uh, when you go to a place with big numbers, you're likely to get more of what you're looking for. Uh, But, you know, you could you can see how maybe a couple hundred votes might shift as a result of this. Sure. Uh,
3: So looking at the legal front, Pennsylvania seems to be this week uh, all or nothing. Right. They tried their latest legal challenge yesterday and. Where are we at in Pennsylvania?
6: Uh, it, I mean, it looks like Pennsylvania is going to certify the you have the you have the one complaint, you have the original complaint about the uh, commingled uh, ballots. And then that wasn't the case. So that goes away. And then there was the counting room stuff. And then when they didn't when they had to admit that there were people in the room, then that went away. So, you know, I I I can't imagine Pennsylvania not certifying this week.
3: Why don't they do why didn't Georgia try to take a revisit the Senate votes while they're while they're doing the presidential votes?
6: Well, I suppose that they didn't want to or need to, you know, the recount. The, so the, the question in the Senate is so there's no question that the special the the Kelly Loeffler race is going to a runoff. Right. That is they could recount it 30 times because uh, nobody was close to 51 percent. Uh, on the Isaacson race, or not the Isaacson race, I'm sorry, on the Purdue race, I don't know that it would advantage Purdue necessarily to fool around with that. uh I would say you're you're going to a runoff, you go to try to win the runoff, uh and I don't think that the recount would have changed that.
3: What are you doing today, Chris?
6: Keeping it real like I do every day, Brian hmm.
3: okay, that means That's how you... you get down all right, so. Get down, keep it real, uh, and stay within yourself.
6: All while wearing a bow tie. Absolutely.
3: You wake up in a bow tie. Chris Starwell, thanks so much. Yeah, man. You got it. 1-866-408-7669. We're going to come back. Uh, Martha McCallum is going to join me in studio. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. On Fox Nation, you can watch us, too. So try to do that. It's another reason to get that great app.
0: Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.
2: A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
13: Now, before I begin, Madam President, I want to remind senators to wear a mask as much as possible on the floor. I personally take my mask off when I'm addressing the chair, so long as other senators or staff are not nearby. Otherwise, a mask should be worn at all times on the floor. This is not only for the safety of other senators. This is for the safety of our staffs, everyone who works here on the floor, and everyone who works here in this building.
3: And that was Senator uh, Chuck Schumer. And I just uh, give me a second before I introduce Martha McCallum. i got to write down all those great instructions Chuck Schumer told us to always wear a mask and that he always wears a mask. So let me see for the last eight months we heard keep your distance wear a mask and wash your hands let me see the latest information is the same thing. The only difference is there are less people in business, there are less kids in school and uh, sadly there are people getting the virus but a lot more in terms of uh, luckily uh, a lot more less fatalities and for people under 50 I think uh, Dr. Atlas told us yesterday 99.5% chance you're going to be fine. With me right now is Martha Mc Callum, I can learn so much from Chuck Schumer, and today's no exception. And I'm sorry for your late introduction, Martha. As you get set to host your show tonight at seven o'clock
1: Eastern. Good to be here, Brian. Always nice to see you. Yeah, um, you know. <laughs> It's true. We've had the same instructions basically for all these months. Right. And I do think that the rising numbers makes people nervous and it makes there's a bit of a retrenchment, which I think is such obviously a huge disappointment to all of us. When I watched those numbers flatlining in August and July, I was like, OK, here we go. Right. And I, I did believe that we were turning the corner. I think everybody did. Um, but we were getting the fall resurgence that uh, that Dr. Redfield uh, promised we would actually. So it's um, it's a pain.
3: So how many people are going to risk jail time and invite 11 people over for oh Thanksgiving? My gosh. 11 so Did they wear a mask in your house? No more than 10. Oh, I, I want you to throw out your utensils. It's uh, it stop is, swapping it's air one of those lines was stop it's swapping crazy. air
1: it's crazy I, I just think you know I think people are going to do what they want to do and people have to make their own personal responsible decisions with what they want to do I know people who are very very conservative about this there's no way they would have more than six people in their house and they want to play it absolutely safe and then I know people who say you know we're going to have a slightly larger group we're going to do a lot of it outside we're going to do our own thing But but everyone telling you what you can do in your own home is the most sad bizarre situation i have ever witnessed
3: listen uh, i uh, congratulations to taiwan japan new zealand but there's 167 other countries that have tried everything sweden yeah. we're only going to lock down the vulnerable they're in the same situation italy yeah. they showed the discipline and now they've got a great summer they're flat on their backs Did you see some of the yeah. video out of italy they're out it's of bed no, belgium germany shut down here's the line uh shut down now to save christmas so please stop blaming any one person except China.
1: I know. I know. You're so right. And, you know, it, it just like it, it, the whole, remember two weeks to slow, to flatten the curve, yeah. right? And then we had these conversations like, oh, wait a minute. They're not talking about, you know what they're really talking about now? Shutting down until we get a vaccine. Hello. That's what turned out to be the truth. Mark
3: Meadows was right.
1: That is what turned out to be the truth. We, we are essentially in so many ways, so many ways that we're just so used to now that we, we forget what it's like to be completely normal. Um, that was the deal from day one. Basically, shut down until we get a vaccine. Now there's this huge debate brewing over the vaccine, which I think is very unfortunate given what we've seen in terms of how well it's gone so far. All of these people want to throw cold water on it and say, um, you know, that they're worried about it, that it was too rushed. All of this. Governor Cuomo uh, saying, you know, it's all about ego and money and the president Trump represents the ego and the pharmaceutical companies represent the money and it's evil, evil, evil. It's like, really? Now we're going to now we're going to shoot down the vaccine that we were told we had to wait for before we could leave our houses.
3: It's um, really irresponsible And to have Governor Cuomo comment on somebody else's ego.
1: Oh, good grief. Right. It,
3: you got to be kidding me. By the I way, know. even Jake Tapper said you have to salute this administration. What he did is he cut out all the bureaucracy. He pre-bought all the vaccine before knowing it could work. That's right. They'll know what his criticism would have been? How dare you spend billions of dollars on a vaccine that didn't work? And he was willing to take it. He That's told right. everyone's going to do it. Then I watched 60 Minutes, and it shows us how they're going to distribute Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Guys in camouflage, men and women in camouflage with UPS and FedEx. Yeah and your problem is with I mean, problem Trump-
1: you know, honestly it's the kind of thing that you know most of us and most of us would have said oh well, if you really want to get this out fast how would you do it right you would build all the plastic vials so that they're ready to go as soon as it gets good, you would figure out exactly what your transport system is going to be and you would get fedex involved and you would get the military involved and all these things that make perfect sense to everyone except people who work in the government who never do things this way ever but President Trump, as a businessman, looked at it as a logistics issue. And how do you line these things up and how do you get them moving? It it just makes me wonder, honestly. It doesn't make me wonder about being nervous about how fast it was. It makes me feel bad about all the drugs that took so long.
3: That's interesting. I never thought about that. I can't even think about that yet. Because, yeah, I know people in biotech, and I'm bragging a little bit just to impress you, Martha. I probably don't share this story with other people. But I'm fascinated by people that do stuff I can't even understand, but they've been telling me for years how it works. And to me, it's the ultimate win-win. It's entrepreneurial. It takes risks, and you save lives or make people's lives better. I'm like, what is better than this? And they just talked about the FDA standing in the way. Right. So the president's like, hey, you're running my FDA. Can you tell me what's standing in the way? Let's get that. Out. What else? CDC, what's standing in your way? OK, next. So he's yeah. working. They go, how dare you? How dare you? He's like, do you want a vaccine or not? He pushed. He prodded. And he knew, by the way, don't ever tell me that he didn't have this announcement a week before the election. You know they had this announcement. There's no way for the review. They
11: did not it's want so sad Trump to do politi-
1: it. How political everyone is in in the Trump world on both sides is just so political. And you know I heard Kaylee McEnany say, you know, that we were told to do this on Trump time, which means which is, you know, sort of our motto at the White House she said, which means faster than expected. I'm like, you know what? That's a pretty good principle to live by as long as you are doing it in a thorough way yeah. and you're working to get it right you know people work round the clock I mean everybody you know how many people in this country especially in the government you know everybody punches out right at five o'clock no 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 we've got a job to do we have a mission that is bigger than one we've had in a long time we're going to work 24-7 we're not going to stop until we get this done that's what America is all about and that's what we're seeing roll out here now if something goes awry and it doesn't work the way it's it, that it's, company's then, destroyed then, then exactly then that company is destroyed so, so that's that's I, I think we need to be in a posture of let's feel positive about this un, until you know, proven otherwise. All right,
3: here's what's driving people crazy. In retail, the new rules in California, only 25% of capacity. Church, go outdoors. Gyms, outdoors, if any. The restaurants, outdoors only. Bars closed. Schools closed. Ohio, uh, curfews for everyone for 21 straight days. Uh, You have to limit your activity. In Illinois, they want everybody to stay indoors. We're in tier three. Basically, this is, and according to the governor, stay at home. They're also, the CDC has got some interesting recommendations. No singing. And no alcohol for the holidays too. So one goes without the other. Because if you don't have alcohol, you're not gonna sing. What so you just
1: to my Christmas caroling party. No no more. No caroling.
3: No more. Play Bing Crosby. But evidently if you see too. but they're worried if you drink that you might make that bad decisions, but what did they decide when this thing first started? Keep the liquor stores open, right? What do they think we were doing in the liquor stores? I know.
1: You know what? I just want to say one thing about outdoor church. My church is outside on the lawn, and it's been a fantastic experience. I love how flexible and adaptable Americans have been in this environment. I I think that it is extraordinary the amount of resilience that we've seen and the way that people you know just sort of push through and figure out a way to do things. Um, but now I wondering you know on the same on the same way we looked at you know really it was locked down until you get a vaccine so these new rules and until when until we have full vaccine distribution like the middle of next year the end of next year are these rules going to stay in effect until then
3: wow uh good, good i don't they can't be they can't be i mean until we see the numbers go down but you just have to basically understand that in your gut go- if you're a governor and you're a mayor you, we can't afford to write 50 states checks for all the businesses and all the people that are losing their living. Right. We have to learn to live with it. This whole shutdown. and, and that's I'll That's been the, my motto. I well, just
1: think, you, you know, there are people who want to live within every single set parameter. And then there are people who made a decision to say, I'm going to live with it. I'm going to be careful. I'm going to wear my mask. I'm going to use my hand sanitizer if I yeah. have to get on an airplane. But I'm going to live with the virus. I'm not going to not live because of the virus.
3: Exactly. And, and the only thing I would say is, if you keep shutting everything down, there's no place for us to live.
1: Nowhere to can't go. Can't play
3: sports, can't watch sports, can't, yeah. you can't, you know, can't go to sporting events. So there will be, in a lot of places, there is no church. There certainly isn't any concerts. Can't be, have any restaurants. You can't sit at a bar. Because, meanwhile, I walked into a bar the other night, I saw a plexiglass. They actually built little lifts on tables to separate the tables in restaurants. They put all this investment in to be so coronavirus friendly. So and then they're told you're closed at ten and buckle up because this stupid governor in New York <sighs> is gonna do it again.
1: It's I, I I just I feel for all of these businesses in New York City breaks my heart. Three hundred thousand I mean, have I, left I'm, in eight months. No, this city is not going to recover for years and years and years because of the economic damage that has been perpetuated on it. And the the New York lost I think about thirty-six thousand people, almost thirty-six thousand people in the state and the city. It's the worst record in the entire country. So much of it came from our elderly and the nursing home decisions that were made by Governor Cuomo. And I feel like now he wants to just sort of, you know, throw a flag on the field to distract everyone's attention and to someone else's problem. And he's writing a book on leadership. I mean, come and on, and
3: doing a book tour in the middle while you're going to spend okay yeah. when I'm off the air, raise, I'm going to go too. shut down a raise. Long Island. Yeah,
1: what did you say? He got a raise. Raised himself. Yeah. Yeah. Two hundred to two hundred twenty five thousand dollars a year. He deserves the, it, don't you think? Y-
3: you know what the best example is? Schools. So mm-hmm. if I run a Catholic school and I'm looking to get tuition, they actually have open houses where they try to get people to come. And then we watch uh, private schools, these uh, charter schools, they try to get school going. Guess what? People are leaving the public schools, they go into the private yeah. schools because there's an incentive for them to open, to put arrows on the ground, to protect Absolutely. the teachers, rotate the teachers and out there, they're vulnerable.
1: Brian, can I just say one thing about that? There was discussion that an executive order that the president might try to push through this school choice option for people right now before. January 20th, that makes your tax dollars that go towards education so that you could say, okay, you know what? My school spends $11,000 per student. I'm going to take that $11,000 and I'm going to this Catholic school. They are open and that's my choice. That's where I want my child to be. This will never happen in the next administration where they're considering putting Randy Weingarten in charge of the Department of Education. Okay, It will never She's happen. All about the public, moment yeah. is now. If this opportunity is going to happen, it has to happen right now. And there's so many people of all faiths and backgrounds and political stripes who would be very happy but with that. When
3: he just undo it though with an executive order that i mean that's and this is what they i take people. away
1: people's right yeah. to take their child to another right. school really
3: this is this what's unbelievable is that people voted they didn't like his tweets they didn't like this they they wish he didn't get the virus they wish he was talking about maths more but you have to understand in the big picture this is what you're getting you understand you're gonna watch they're gonna look to put these programs forward and they're gonna strip the pentagon bare. they're gonna gut all these branches they're gonna say we have well, enough missiles. I'll, That's what AOC I'll only say the that Genius Maybe if
1: we'd heard more about those things, um, maybe the outcome would have been a little bit different.
3: Couldn't get past the virus. He certainly didn't get any of those questions. Hey, uh, listen, we're going to come right back. Martha's going to tell us who's on our show exclusively to us. And then she's going to tell us who she wants to book. And then she's going to tell us who she's actually, actually booking and see if there's a difference. It's going to be a home <laughs> game. Back in a moment.
2: Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Welcome back. got a few more minutes with Martha to finish up this hour. Martha McCallum, Uh, we know about something new about the election. The president's going to spend about $2 million and get two counties uh, recounted in Wisconsin, Democratic counties. He's got to make up 20,000 votes. He's got to make up just over under 14,000 in Georgia, Georgia. 53,000 in Pennsylvania. What do you think he sees in Wisconsin? Hope, or do you think he's got a lead?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Um, there's sort of two layers. There's the Hail Mary layer, which is overturning enough votes to make a difference. It looks like that's a very narrow path, but he has every right to do it, as we keep saying over and over. And it's only been two weeks, uh, so we've certainly had times in our history when it took a lot longer than this, so that's Okay. Um, then there's the layer of election integrity across the country and shining a big light on it. I think that President Trump is not going to go away on this issue no matter what happens. And I think that when you look at the importance of Georgia at this point, I almost feel like you know they need to create an completely different system to do Georgia in just a few weeks um, they've got it's got to be transparent you've got to have both people Republicans and Democrats sitting at the table and at the at the go point okay we are now ready to start counting we are both satisfied with the amount of exposure we have to, to see what you're counting and we are now ready to begin start counting um, and the signature match thing has just turned out to be ridiculous ridiculous I had a guy on last night from Nevada who did a test and basically eight signatures that he did the signature and then he had the person copy the way he he wrote their name on the envelope, which didn't match at all what the state had on record. Eight of the nine got through. Of course. It's a ridiculous system. It I mean, is. your phone knows everything about you. We, we learned that over and over. We saw it on, on the Hill with the testimony with, um, with Twitter and Facebook. You, the ballot is ridiculous. I mean, think about the way we do this. It's I know. ridiculous. Well, I'll tell you thumbprint, what: thumbprint, photo, something. Please, please.
3: I, I just show your license to get in, like you get it on a plane, and yeah. we all know that's not. It's not that that's hard. not Yeah, that is not voter suppression. It's Every not. Every logical person knows this, uh, and there's nobody I know that can't that can't get a uh, ID. There's no one if you're here with a green card you have ID if you're right. uh, which by the way you shouldn't be voting but I'm just saying that every you can't do anything in life without and think ID. think about
1: the voter that get out the vote Efforts right to register people do the same thing six months ahead to say you know what you need a driver's license if you want to vote so let's let's do that let's get the picture let's get it official let's make sure you're who you say you are and start that process early the, if the same amount of effort went into get out the vote to just get people licensed so they have proper ID it's a very small uh, part of the population I believe that would have right. any difficulty at all and we should help them do it.
3: Here's what Newt said uh, last night with Sean about the Georgia legislator. He says they need to redo things.
5: I'm very concerned that even though I think uh, uh, Warnock is an extraordinarily radical candidate and and, uh, that essentially Ossoff is a
11: product of Hollywood and Silicon Valley, uh, nonetheless, even if we win the campaign, if we don't fix this election system, and the governor and the secretary of state
5: have been absolutely useless in trying to get this thing fixed. Republicans. We have the House, we have the Senate. The Georgia legislature could come in next Monday. Uh, they could
3: fix a fair amount of this. And he knows Georgia. That's where he's from. And this Brian Kemp is invisible. This this Secretary of State. What a clown! Pro- provocative and um, and obstinate saying? Lindsey Graham's trying to tell him
1: to throw out healthy I ballots? No, I, I completely agree with Newt Gingrich. I mean, that's what every American should agree with, that you need to have total transparency in this vote. You've got the most important vote after the presidential election happening there in several weeks. And they need to get on, they need to be diligent dil, they need to do it in Trump time. <laughs> All
3: right. and, and by the way, we have a debate on December 6th between Kelly Loeffler mm-hmm. and, uh, and Warnock. Warnock, who is a reverend, and by the way, he said it was, we have to get over our whiteness in 2016 for voting in Donald Trump, which I'm still working on daily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be something. Do you see yourself going down there with the election coverage for this type of debate? To be to be announced. Because Purdue is not going to bother you. He refuses. <laughs> but he's got the two-point lead uh, with uh, John Ossoff, who is, couldn't be more of a different candidate. Right. So
1: I, I think nobody on either side should take that race for granted. It's going to be incredibly tight. Uh, Joe Biden won the state as of right now. We'll see. when There's 159 counties, so they're still counting. Um, But, uh, yeah, I don't think anybody should take that state for granted. I think the president's
3: going to go, and I think he's going to
1: If he doesn't, I don't see how either one of those candidates win.
3: Oh, either one of the Republicans. The Republicans, Because somebody's got to win eventually. I don't know if Joe Biden helps. No, I
1: don't think either of the Uh, Republicans. I I think they absolutely need him there on the ground.
3: Joe Biden kind of just yells at you anyway. Just (laughs) just send us a message. Thanks, Martha. See you tonight at 7.
10: From the Fox News Podcasts Network.
8: I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.